ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another splendiferous episode of Inspiration Point. I'm Andrew. And I'm Adam. Hi, good evening to you, sir. Good evening to you. How you doing, pal? I'm good. I'm. Uh, this is my last week of uh, this year of school, and Ooh, then I'm maybe. on to summer break, and I'm looking forward to the different things I'm going to do with my time. Mostly, yeah. it's going to be D and D related. As if there was any doubt. As if there was any doubt, there, which there isn't. Um, There's not. I am looking forward to lots of lots of preparation and adventures and drawing and designing and writing and just having a lot of fun with nerding out maybe yeah, some painting man. Ooh, i like yeah. where you're going with that how about you a- how's it going for you man it's going good i i just recently within like the past couple days um wrapped up i think wrapped up the guidelines for the uh dangerous destinations uh pregens so nice. that um anyone who's uh writing them has a a solid point of reference for all the things that are needed and how to kind of approach it um and i wanted to try to make sure it was as comprehensive as possible because one thing that i really uh appreciate now after having done what we did with spectacular settlement is that just because somebody has been a longtime player yeah. or a longtime GM mm-hmm. or is just a major fan does not necessarily mean that they are a great writer. That is not meant to be disparaging to anyone in any way. Just you, you, when you say a great writer, you mean in terms of like what ideas they have, or you mean in terms of like their mastery of English and uh, punctuation? Yes. Oh, uh, okay. Um, cause you know, to, to a point, um, you know, the, sometimes ideas at their core might be a neat idea, but maybe the way they execute it is not terrific or, um, you know, maybe, maybe they thought it was neat, but it actually wound is actually kind of bland. And I, I'm sitting here saying actually like crazy because uh my vocabulary is failing me um but also like having a solid appreciation for and skill with the english language and um being decent with grammar punctuation i mean that's not to say that you know that uh like professional writers don't make typos and stuff happens all the time but sure you know, it helps a lot if you can go back over your work once you've written it and be able to find those things or, you know, critique your your own work a little bit and be able to fix those errors and stuff so that by the time it gets to the actual editor, they don't have a massive headache on their hands, you know. Um, so I, I've been putting together those guidelines to make sure that they're as helpful as possible for people. Uh, so we're getting ready to dive into doing the dangerous destinations pregens, uh, some of which you're going to be writing. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, so, it's uh, not boring and bland. <laughs> no, I'm sure it won't. I'm sure it won't be. Um, Though I promise, my uh, English will require a lot of editing. <laughs> so, okay. well, because uh, yeah, well, careful, careful, careful. I, I, I tend to do stream of consciousness sometimes and then edit the content, but my English could be a lot better. Uh, my, my mother was always a, a stickler for that kind of thing. And, and my father used to be an English teacher before he went full on oh. into drama. Uh, so I got corrected a lot, but I didn't uh, learn that much. <laughs> I didn't nice. take the lessons to heart. And then I learned a foreign language and that was, Oh boy. Not helpful yeah. to to my English vocabulary. Oh, I mean, in a way, it's like you expand your vocabulary, but on the other hand, like you lose that that nuance, that mastery. Yeah. Well, we'll see how I it did. goes. And uh, you know, that it's something that'll come with practice. 
So, oh, for sure. Well, I look forward to to doing some writing on it. That'll be neat to see something I I came up with in print. You know, darn I right. Seen seen that too much. There so you go. that'll be a that'll be a nice experience. Yeah, it will. I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be fun. It'll be a nice little thing to um, kick off your summer with. So speaking of kicking things off, I've got a like a little mini topic that I thought I'd pick your brain with and see. um, See what you think. No, it's not about kicking. I'll uh, I'll put that in my back pocket. Um, So. Coming up, I want to say within the next like year or so, there are a few D&D uh, media projects that are coming. There's, I believe, a movie and a TV show that are going to be under the D&D license. So my question to you is especially looking at what uh, D&D movies have come out in the past, Mm -hmm. what do you think would be the recipe for a good D&D movie or TV show? Oh, boy. Well, I think a couple of things you need to do, a couple of goals you got to have is to, one, have those recognizable like terms and tropes Mm. that that players of D&D expect to see and it should be fairly accurate right yeah you know they they uh talk about mind flayers and stranger things and they all play D, but anyone who plays D is like that's not a mind flayer right mm-hmm. when but you know the kids are just doing their best so you just you you do you, well whatever they, they shouldn't get everything right maybe right well never never mind that uh there are certain monsters like uh mind flayers beholders and uh, a few other ones that are copywritten. Right. But if you're making a D&D movie, right? Oh, yes, that that's true. That, if you then are, we, we then we want to see those things. Right. And I think the other thing is you want to think about franchising. There's no way yeah. that you can consider like, OK, we're going to hit everything. We're going to have liches. We're going to have mind flayers. We're going to have dragons. We're going to have you know, oh, giants. No, it won't happen. You know, with. I don't know how you're going to do all that in one movie. So I think what you want to do is, is pick some maybe famous uh, campaigns and, and histories from the forgotten realms and yep. do those. I would probably go straight for Dritz. Honestly, I would probably go over uh, maybe the crystal shard, right? Mm. Um, go with uh, Wolfgar and Canterbury and, and, uh, and Brunor and yeah. all the good stuff. You know, I think uh, starting with the classics might be good or, Maybe if you want to help market 5e, then maybe we do start out with like Horde of the Dragon Queen as the first film. And it goes from there. And we have this sort of like canonized party that makes decisions. And that could yeah. provide some some surprise for people that are familiar with those settings. Yeah. And starting out with something like Horde of the Dragon Queen, I think, would do well in introducing what d is kind of about, which is, well, dungeons and dragons. Right. Mm in in working with this world and having a big cataclysmic event that helps kick off a lot of other things that go on. So yeah. I think in terms of representing DD, that's good. The other thing though that you have to do is make sure that new viewers can enjoy it. They're there not it is. Sitting there to get the uh full tutorial only, right? They want to be shown those things in a fun way. Mm-hmm. But they also don't want to feel like they, they're going to school necessarily. Um and most people can wrap their head around dragon, right? Oh yeah. It's just, there may be something particular. It's like, okay, in D and D, at least in the forgotten realms, you, we have different colors of dragons and they have different personalities that tend to go with them, mm. you know? And that's pretty easy to show. And I think one of the things that would be a, uh, a bait or a, a trap for someone writing D and D is to be told by a producer, you know, Oh, you have to have these things. You have to explain it to the audience. Mm. And that person telling us about those things through endless exposition as opposed to to showing them and and just letting the audience figure it out as we go through by simply demonstrating what happens. Yeah. And you just treat the audience as if they're smart. 
And I think another thing that we've learned from watching things like the Marvel Cinematic Universe is, in fact, to actually try kind of hard. Right. Oh, yeah. I, I think there is a certain contempt for audience that some of these studios have, have had. Yeah. Where they, they treat you like you're dumb or like you have no taste mm-hmm. and they tend to not do so well. You know, right. Marvel kind of took itself seriously. They they swung for those fences. They say, you know what? We're just going to put Iron Man right on the screen. Right. And we're not going to try to like hide it. We're not going to try to like, you know, cut it back to make it more sciencey explainable. We're not going to have it only show up for five seconds after a lot yeah. of buildup about human characters that don't exist in the comics. Yeah. Right. We're going to be fairly true to the source material. And I think that's something else that needs to happen. You're also going to need to have a couple of flagship actors. You're going to need your uh, Robert Downey Jr. to play yeah. Dritz, right? Or, you know, whoever you want to cast for that. Or right. if you want to do Order the Dragon Queen, then, you know, who are going to be your, your main characters. Or even, like, the stand-in for your player party. These need to mm. be... These need to be popular people. One of them needs to be able to really take it seriously and carry not only that film, but an entire franchise on their back. Right. Yeah. So that was it, a long answer. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, you need, you need some star power. Um, although I do feel like something like D and D could be a great way to get some no names that people haven't heard of. Like mm-hmm. that's one thing that's, that's driven me nuts about a lot of um, animated movies since mm-hmm. uh, particularly since um, like there's Shrek and yeah. Disney's Aladdin, where you really started getting actors with major name recognition doing mm-hmm. voice work and yeah. and then like f- at least for me when i'm watching these movies it can be difficult for me to divorce the character who is voiced by this well-known actor right yeah and to get my brain to forget like oh i'm hearing george clooney you know well, not and i think an animated squirrel it, you bring up a, a aladdin and the thing about that that was interesting was that it was Robin Williams yep. being Robin Williams. And then yes. he was wearing a genie costume. Whereas with Robert Downey Jr., he became Tony Stark. Yes. That's and that true. was in were there quirks about Robert Downey Jr. That came through probably, but he really tried to be a different character. Whereas Robin Williams was paid to be Robin Williams and to do his yeah. stick. That that's, so. that's true. Um, I, I think that, you know, the, one of the films that I can remember was the attempt with like the Wayans brothers, right? Well, like, it was, it wasn't them, both. It was Marlon Wayans. Yeah. It was Marlon Wayans. And I, and I was just like, okay, so is it a, it was a, is it a comedy? And it was like, sort of was. Yes. And it, it, it was, it just it was totally hyper, was all over the place. It was hyper campy. Yeah. It was like so, written by someone who doesn't think highly of D and D players. And I think that you want to, kind of like honor your fans right yeah you want to like when you show up to comic con you want to be like these are my people right like we love you guys we want to make content that makes you excited yeah we we are excited about these things we grew up like that and we love these things too and yeah and i think that you can sense that when that's when that's genuine well and i think i think the state of D &D and nerd culture is at a point now where a lot more people, um, especially like even celebrities and stuff are very openly, um, supporting D and D and RPGs. They're getting involved with this stuff that used to be like, you know, solely the purview of like Uber nerds, and nobody else would go anywhere near it where mm-hmm. now, you know, you're getting, you're getting all kinds of like a list, uh, people who are like, yeah, D and is freaking awesome. I play it all the time. You know, they'll show up on streams and podcasts and all this stuff. And it's great. Um, 
And I think that that maybe in terms of, uh, the, maybe the like Hollywood executive types and, um, you know, showrunners, those kinds of folks, it helps, I think, lend some legitimacy to, uh, to the content. You know, you, you've got like, um, uh, critical role, Matt Mercer and, um, all the guys that are, uh, not, not all the guys, all the men and women that are on uh, critical role and the like millions of dollars that their, uh, that critical role is now worth. They've got a huge audience. So stuff like that, I think goes a long way to show the money people that money is there to be had because, you know, let's face it. If these movies or TV shows didn't make money, they they wouldn't make them. Well, they so, wouldn't. And but at the same time, we have to remember the artistry, right? Because if we yeah. look at at Marvel, it was okay. We're going to grab a director and we're going to say, "Director, do your vision," and we're going to largely get out of their way. We'll have mm-hmm. some input, but for the most part, they have a lot of free reign. And where right. that wasn't true they tended to struggle like in the case of uh, the dark world. Mm. Right. And Warner brothers of course did quite the opposite. They heavily intervened mm-hmm. on, on their, on their DC films. And as a result, um, they're just they're, not as it, good. They're just not as good. They're, they're inconsistent. Yeah. And uh, it was, I think it was, it was apparent. So I think you, the exact, yeah, they have to, in, in order for them to, to invest, they have to believe, they have to pretty much have a guarantee that they're going to get a nice return. Right. And that's fine. But then they, when they invest in their writer and director, they need to trust that they, that they themselves have made a good investment yeah, and, and not pretend that because they're, you know, they know a guy from Hasbro or they are from Hasbro that, mm-hmm. you know. Hey, let's, you know, it's like Spider-Man three, right? Like when, when they told <laughs> Sam Raimi, like put venom in this movie. And then he was like, I'm not interested in doing that. And mm. they were like, but for realsies, you have to have venom in this movie because venom equals money. And it uh, basically killed the whole franchise. Jeez. I, I didn't know that that actually happened. I didn't know that that's why venom was in Spider-Man three that yeah geez, he wasn't that interested sucks. in having so many villains he wanted it to be about sandman and about um uh, harry osborne mm. and spider-man 2 had been an amazing movie like it was mm-hmm. a lot of people argue it was better than the first one mm-hmm. and but the third one is just a mess it's just um all over the place but there are but it has its moments that are quite nice and they're usually everything including the sandman character mm. So I yeah. actually went back and, and, and saw it again recently. And it's just, it's like you're watching three different films. Oh, geez. You know, it, and it's uh, been Iron Man 2 was actually that I way. Saw it. Yeah. I, uh, my wife and I are actually doing a, uh, on Disney plus they have, if you go into the Marvel section, you're watching it in chronological order. Yeah. We're doing the timeline, yeah. uh, order. So we've, so far done uh captain america we did captain marvel um fairly recently like within the past couple months so we skipped that um it's fine yeah and then what was after that iron man 2 then thor and avengers is next so that'll be fun mm-hmm. um it's 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 a blast going back and watching these things, especially They're like, great. man, like Chris Hemsworth in the first Thor movie. Good Lord, is he young? Like, <laughs> yeah, they've all they've all aged 10 years, man. Oh, my you know, God. that's a that's a big deal. But it's man, crazy. I, I, a lot of people disparage Thor. I love the I, first Thor movie. It's actually like one of my Thor. favorites. Yeah, he's. And, you know, I was thinking about our hero's journey talks uh, while I was watching it. Oh, it's totally by the numbers. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was even telling my wife as we were watching, I was like, yeah, Adam and I were talking about this. And this is, you know, you can see this happening and stuff. That was really, it was really neat. But I I don't want to get too far off topic. But uh, I think 
I hope that the upcoming D and D properties are fun and good and just treated with respect, you know? And I think, I think the, the last thing that, um, whoever's making this stuff should really remember is that D and D ultimately is a system of mechanics for telling for cooperatively telling fantasy stories. So D and D in itself is not a story. So I think you are definitely right in that it would be a really good idea to look at a good campaign setting or a good story that has come out of D and D and the popularity of, uh, of Dritzt and the uh, R.A. Sanctuary or Elminster or any of these people right. that are, spells Greenwood. are named after sure. like uh, Mordenkainen or something. You yeah. Know, there, there could be some really interesting things to, to, to cover. And I think that one thing they should do is what the dark Alliance people did is, which is to hire AJ or someone like that yep. to come in and, and basically keep them pure, you know, to to an extent, yep. like to keep them honest, let's say that yep. might be a better way of, of saying it. Yeah. And then to, you know, but also I'm thinking of the interview I, I did with Spike and, and how he kind of talked about what D&D was to him and what he th- he felt the system was trying to do beyond provide a way to play with metal dolls. You know, mm-hmm. it was, you know, this idea of of leading a protagonist down a path towards divinity and mm. what that sort of means on a deeper level. And I would love to see a really cathartic film that in like a series that walks someone from like that heroic path to that, you know, more macro stage to eventually talking about eternal principles. You know, these are, that is something I would really love to see. Oh, me too. I'm, I mean, I gotta be honest. I, I, I am not holding out hope for that. But <laughs> no, probably <laughs> not. But. I, I'm like talking about a lofty goal. Um, yeah, that's a lofty goal. That's a lot. Maybe they will find themselves into that. Cause I mean, as you watch the MCU, you can see the wheels start to turn and you can yeah. see them sort of change their mind and change gears as yeah, they, as they start to realize more and more what they have on their hands and what people want. Right. It's it's like uh, you see that with a lot of TV shows like um, I, I know I've said this before and I've heard other people say it before too. like uh, TV shows, especially that run, you know, multiple seasons, those ones that make it beyond the first one or two. Um, they'll say mm-hmm. like the the show figured out what it was or. It yeah. Grew yeah. TV into shows do that a lot. Yeah. So like. I know, uh, like Better Call Saul, which, oh my goodness, such an incredibly good show. Um, they, that first season ran kind of more toward being a comedy and, you know, leaning into the funnier aspects of who Saul is and that sort of thing. Um, but as you get beyond season one and get into season two and three, it, it starts getting darker and more serious and you get into the problems that Jimmy McGill has and the relationship between him and Chuck, his brother and all these pretty deep, serious things. And I feel like a lot of that came out of season one being done and them looking at it and, you know, thinking about, okay, what's the direction that, Saul is going in what direction do we want to take this and is this the tone that we want um so I think I think that that kind of stuff uh winds up playing into it in a big way so I I hope that uh I hope as as we've been as we've been talking I I I now not sure if I do want to see Dritzt or any of these guys as much as I might want to see like a fresh protagonist and and party makeup it's it's more about the players, like, you know, people that represent the player tropes on screen. Yeah. And that, that do start with classic, you know, worldly struggles, you know, right. that, 
you know, where they are protecting a caravan or, yep. you know, interrupting a ritual or, you know, stuff that might <laughs> even be on the rollable table. Discs. Yeah. That kind of oh, thing. And then, and then yeah. eventually movie after movie starts getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think that that's what I, that's what I want. I don't know if that's the, the pitch to investors. I think the pitch to investor is, is we're going to make this movie. It's going to be called home. And it's mm. about a dark elf. And then we're going to go for right. Um, yeah. But I, I, I yeah. think with, with D and D, I mean, what's, what's the, if you were to boil down at least the initial experience of playing, you're creating a character and then you're getting to know them. Like you're, you kind of grow into your character. Like when I started playing Landsver in your uh, Monday night game that we have, like the first couple sessions, I was just kind of feeling out who this character was. And mm-hmm. as time goes on, you kind of, you kind of just grow into them. And, you know, it's like, uh, it's like oh, when yeah. you break in a pair of shoes, you mm-hmm. realize one day, oh, these shoes don't hurt my feet anymore. They feel great. Like, feel good, yeah. I, I get it now. And I think having that experience where you've got these, these characters that are unknown quantities. And as you watch the movie or as you watch the TV show, you grow with the characters. You, you get a feel for them as they start to get a feel for adventuring life and the challenges that face them. Um, I think that'd be a total blast. It's also a good way to introduce the world yeah. to the audience who may be unfamiliar with it, where you, you know, there's hints to, to background. We learn names of places and towns and, mm. and maybe famous people, but maybe we don't meet very many of them. And maybe we, we don't see too much because we're, we see a very small scope. Yep. And then every movie we, we zoom out a little bit and I think that would be cool. Oh yeah, I mean you you mentioned only a little bit. We don't do world ending stuff every time. Oh god, no. (laughs) Like Like, stop doing that. Maybe Neverwinter gets mentioned once in the first episode, like, oh, I have a grandfather that lives in Neverwinter or something like that. Yeah. But you don't actually go there until like season three or something. It's like (laughs) something like that. Finally there, like holy moly. Now now we're dealing with, with big deal stuff. Yeah, no more Alrighty. small villages. So yeah, let's let's uh, you know talking about you know interacting with our world. Mm-hmm. Um, last night we had another session of yeah. uh, Dungeons and Dragons, and I very nearly decided not to include road encounters mm. because I said my players are all level fourteen. I think this is a little beneath them at this point um mm. and then uh someone it was Spike, suggested that i do uh you know sort of smaller it's more about decision making than yeah. really e- eating time and i thought that was a good idea so i went into my old road encounter table i updated it i added a bunch of things nice and the stuff i added it was just like a sentence right like, sure Okay, if I roll between 31 and 40, then we meet this merchant. Here's his problem. Here's what you can get. Nice. Right. And that's that's it. And then you leave yourself a little bit of room for for improvement. But before I I go into the sort of speech about it, you know, I guess I, I just want to ask, what was your impression from the player side about some of the encounters that you experienced last night? I, you know, I... I'm someone who really enjoys road encounters and Mm -hmm. you've, you've used them um, pretty like fairly frequently when, when, um, when we're in the right setting, uh, you'll throw them in there. And I, they're one of my favorite things to be honest, because they're just these little incidental things that have the potential to, really get these unexpected reactions or you know if you're going on a quest to defeat the giants and save the princess and stuff you 
you have an idea of what to expect, right? You, you know what giants typically are, you know, you can probably imagine the kind of things you might run into in their castle or dungeon or tower or whatever. Um, yeah. But if you're walking through town, everything seems nice. Everything seems mellow, civilized, whatever. And so it's not the kind of setting that immediately screams, there's going to be conflict here. So you're, you're kind of deliberately off your guard. And then a little girl comes up and says, help my cat's stuck in a tree. Yeah. And, and then it's like, well, I, I wasn't planning on saving a cat in a tree today, but, uh, I mean, guys, can we really look this little girl in the face and go, sorry, we got more important things to do. Like we got to go save the cat. Incidentally, if you haven't go back and listen to our episode, <laughs> episode called yeah. save the cat. Um, so, so like, let's take a quick step back. What is, you know, cause uh, what is a road encounter, right? For the, for someone who may not know. And I think most people know, but just really briefly, you know, what is a road encounter in D&D or a role playing game? What is the point of it? To me, a road encounter is a small, small, small incidental uh, situation that can pop up usually randomly um, when you're going about doing something else. You're traveling yeah. from point A to point B. You're going from one thing to another. And you just happen to run into something that you likely didn't expect. And as, as far as I have seen us do it so far, it's typically not related to the main plot, though I suppose it could be. I guess there's yeah. no reason it, it couldn't be. No, it definitely could be. Right. Um, so I, I think that much it, it doesn't always have to be small per se although a lot of times it probably should be like you it doesn't typically feel like a big chapter thing i would say right. at low levels it almost could be like the meat of your adventure mm. right like your your first outing as a level one character might be something like get the caravan from city a to c to b and then you do it and on the way there's a bunch of like combat encounters that happen mm. and then you do that but i think it's also you know i think it's funny that when i asked you what it was most of your examples were things to do not necessarily with combat right right so typically we roll on the random encounter table and most of the time that means who do we fight yep but it doesn't always have to be this way and I got to actually give some props to Storm King's Thunder here. I, I have had hmm. my criticisms of the adventure and, and of the book and story and that sort of thing. But I will say that I, I, I enjoyed very much the random encounters that were included in that book. Nice. Um, some of them are combat focused. Sometimes you are faced with enemies that you should not tangle with, mm. but have to deal with in some, some way. One of the more fun encounters we had in that group was having my players. And I think at the time they were like level five, you know, come up on a frost on a fire giant Ooh. who was looking for a, a piece of the Von and Dodd. And they knew that one hit they were toast. Right. So yeah. they, they combined a bunch of spells together. They used pass without trace, you know? Oh yeah. And, and fly. And they like, they snuck in, they stole his rod of the Von and Dodd to keep him from being able to find oh my what he gosh. was looking for. They stuck it in a bag of holding and they like escaped. And I think it was one of the most fun moments they had enjoyed the entire campaign so far. That's really cool. I mean, talk yeah. about high stakes, right? Like it's, it's really something kind of special when you realize like, okay, this is so obviously out of our league that like a stand-up fight is not going to happen. So we have to pull this off or we are a grease smear on the ground. You know, there, absolutely there no screwing around and it, you know, it can force you to get creative. 
And I mean, certain uh, players may be more up to that kind of challenge than others, maybe. But yeah, I mean, it. I can completely see how it would have gone that way. And that sounds super fun. It was really cool. And there were a lot of encounters that helped illustrate what was going on. The fact that the fire giant is looking for a piece of the Von and Dodd is part of the fire giant uh, chieftains. Uh, well, I should say Duke, um, the Duke's uh, plot, his plans. Right. Mm. And so it's a, it's a bit of foreshadowing as to what might be coming in the future. That's a great, um, that's a great way to do it. Just using the frost a, giants are looking for their thing. The hill giants are just trying to gather food so they can bring it to their chief. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's painting that picture and it gives you things to be interested in. Right. And, and it also breathes some life into the giants. Like it gives you this clear impression that things are happening where you aren't there are there are figures that are doing things that are accomplishing things that are trying to accomplish things and they're doing it totally off screen and you haven't run into it yet and it makes things feel that much more alive right it does yeah and i think that's the key word make make it feel alive other things that you experience are like refugees that have been displaced because oh, giants yeah. are destroying people's homes, right? Uh, you know, giants going to be giants. Giants going to be giants. Uh, another thing that you might experience are meeting people from various factions, like uh, the Lord's Alliance or the Emerald Enclave or the Order of the Gauntlet. Oh, sure. And these are these are just little moments where maybe all you have really is a conversation and move on. And then, and then that's it. But maybe you can, you know, ask about that person when you get to a major settlement or, you know, it can just be your first contact into dealing with that faction and your players might become more interested in being invested. Yeah. I mean, really these little encounters could even be, um, a way for a GM to test the waters for using a certain kind of hook, you know, if if you were thinking about like, Oh, do I want to maybe run um, a crime plot line? Maybe do like an oceans 11 uh, B and E sort of thing. Um, You know, maybe they run into a guy who's, you know, a thief or somehow involved with that sort of operation. And you throw it out there and see how your players interact with that character. Yeah. To then get yourself feedback on, you know, oh, they seem like they might be down for this kind of thing. Or Mm -hmm. maybe their characters shut the dude down completely and maybe even like arrest him or something. And then it's like, okay, maybe crime story is not the way to go with this campaign. Right. Or there's consequences, right? Like it's, it's fascinating to me. And by the way, this is why I actually really like a plotless campaign. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I love watching players and seeing what they decide they care about, like what they really zoom in on. Like they're always like, you will plan this character and you'll make this character is awesome. And they will ignore that person. And they will fo- hyper focus on this person that all you had was a name and like, you know, this, uh, this guy's name is uh, Jed and he acts like a duck, you know, like, I don't know, yep. something weird. And they're going to be like, whoa, what's going on with this guy? And they will just like, they want to know everything. And then you're like, okay, well now they've, now that now they rolled one to five on my encounter table, we're not going to introduce that again. But maybe I'll replace it with the next tier in what happens in that story. There you if go. They, if they seemed interested in it, right? The incidentally, for anyone who has run into this, uh, I, I mean, any GMs who've had NPCs where you, it's just some little incidental no-name schmuck in the middle of a tavern having a drink. If you want to avoid having players hyper fixate on a character who should not be hyper fixated upon, don't give it 
interesting details. <laughs> if you give it a name and give it like a weird little quirk or something, somebody's going to be like, what's the deal with this guy? And yeah. Some, someone is going to want to dig and then you're going to have to figure out well, why yeah. Jed, the duck guy is important. Well, yeah, because, you know, and, and players in a meta sense might be going, well, the GM clearly wants me to interact with this character because right. they bothered to describe this thing. And then you you accidentally like, oh, I was trying to tell a joke. Yeah. Right. Or <laughs> that's how it you know, always goes, you know, something like that. And then they just decide that, oh, this is what I care about now. I've had, you know, NPCs in, in my homebrew world that were basically a brief mention and then the then you guys were like oh yeah i'm all about this guy and do then you, uh, and then i was like okay well this guy is now important do you have an example off the top of your head of like the character who in your campaigns was mm-hmm. like the biggest example of this where if you're thinking of a character who you were like I never in a million years planned to have this person be anything more than like, you know, set dressing. And they became like a major player in the game. Mm. Do you have anyone that you can think of off top of your head that kind of fits that bill? Well, almost everyone in (laughs) my homebrew world, because, well, and it wasn't like, oh, there's no way they'll ever look at this guy necessarily, but it was a, uh, I'm going to offer them little baits and they get to pick their baits and then we just go down those roads, right? That was always the the concept behind that campaign. But that's and with the intent of like, you're, you're approaching that, with, that, that with those so, characters potentially being able to become someone. So in home, I had a whole bunch of NPCs I had pre-built and some of you definitely fixated on more than others, uh, mm-hmm. such as the, the blacksmith, uh, the fortune teller and uh, the rando troll that can teleport between dimensions. Incidentally, right? that <laughs> fortune teller is why at the end of our podcast, we always say bye. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. her. That's so that's- honey. That's so honey. So, uh, She's a I've actually the, the biggest bad guy from our current campaign. I mean, he was meant to be a bad guy and he was meant to touch on the backstory of some of our characters, but he wasn't supposed to be quite so macro. Oh, okay. And so when people really got into him, then I was like, okay, we're going to make this guy a bigger deal. He was definitely not supposed to be a villain for like two different arcs, right? He, he, he stuck around. He stuck around because he had an interesting relationship with some of the player characters. That's true. He, he had definitely gotten under all of your skin. Oh yeah. He, I, and, I hate that best. <laughs> I hate yeah. him so much. Oh my God. Yeah. And so I had to have more of them, right? So yeah. there was there, there's something to that. Um, yeah, most of I would say a lot of characters that I've had have have just sort of come out of nowhere. Sometimes what you can do is like, especially if your story is pre-generated, um, like you're running like Storm Kings or Horde of the Dragon Queen sure. or something. You know, you might take a character, change them a little bit, and then connect them to a PC. Oh, so, totally. Yeah, I did this in in my Storm Kings game uh, where I've decided to give one of my players like a secret origin. And so I took one of the NPCs in in one of the zones and I said, well, this person is going to be their parent. There you go. Right. And then that ended up being ended up being kind of a big deal. So that's that was pretty cool. cool. So one thing you can really do with road encounters is inject a personal story elements to your player characters, right? And that oh, seems yeah. kind of obvious, but just being able to have them meet someone from their childhood and express something about that to be able to meet an old rival to further on a piece of their own story. Uh, there's a lot of um, ways to 
And I, and I would say this is one of the major goals of the road encounter. Mm. It's it, you know, we, cause we don't really want to just waste players time. We don't want there to go. Okay. You, you show up to a scene and there's three wolves. Okay. Next. Uh, oh, look, three wolves again. Uh, this time two bears, uh, four goblins, right? And a dozen a, wolves and two dire do- wolves. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty obnoxious when that happens oh, right I, but don't but you that hate wasn't, it but that wasn't random either <laughs> no, though like that was that was meant to be something and it ended up being a big event hmm. you don't want to have a situation where every die you roll is this exhaustive oh you know god no experience like sometimes you do want to have you know that that those different flavors, right? Sometimes it, you know, it is just something like, oh, you know, you see a, a beggar and he wants money. What do you do? I ignore him. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I give him money. Okay. What, what do I get? Nothing. <laughs> right? I, it's like you give him money. I, we, we, we learn something about you. That makes me, that makes me think with road encounters. I, I think one of the hallmarks of most road encounters um combat or otherwise yeah is is maybe that it just should feel typically incidental and brief like mm-hmm. it it shouldn't typically a road encounter should not yeah. be something that winds up occupying the bulk of your session it's more like maybe 15 to 30 minutes if it so really stretches out the, the the only thing I would add to that is to say it's fine to have an encounter on the road that they are meant to have that does fill up your time. Right. Like maybe sure. today's session is about dealing with the bandits that try to waylay you on the road. Right. Oh Yeah. But as far as like the random encounter table. Yeah. We're typically looking for something that is going to be less important, but you know what? Even that's not always true. Sometimes, especially oh, at those low exceptions. levels, yeah. you want, sometimes that is how you're going to fill up your time. And, and actually it, it ended up being how we filled up our time. Uh, partially, at least yesterday, there was a lot of chit chit chat. There was no combat. That was a second session in a row where we had no combat. Oh, it was lovely. Um, I know some of you really like that. I know one of our players does not care for that. Oh, and, I know. I, 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 was and I felt bad, bad for, him. for him. Yeah. And I, I personally don't like it as a player. I like to have, um, I like to have a little bit of everything, every session because I'm greedy like that, but it's a thing where, you know, I gave you guys the options and you opted into, I would like to continue to travel. Uh, you see this guy. And by the way, you guys were like on brooms and flying overhead. So anything that you interacted with, that wasn't like an airborne creature deal directly dealing with you, you had to opt into. Oh yeah. And I, I'm compulsive with this stuff. Like I see you put these things out there and I'm like, I, I, Oh, you've got to, you've got to check out everything. I can't ignore it. You're like, <laughs> Oh, you see this wagon down there. It's lots of bright colors and stuff. I'm like, I'm there. <laughs> like, I can't, I, I, if I ignored it, I'd be kicking myself the rest of the session going, what's yeah. that guy? What did he have? What's with all the colors? <laughs> I yeah. need to know. And if you guys thought it was fun, then great. Then it was successful. Right. Yeah. Like, that's that's what matters so it's just a thing where i i do eventually want you to get to the big destination where you are going to have the big raid and and the big story moment and the big challenges and all that fun stuff but it is i think worth having these smaller encounters on the way to like you say you know help illustrate that world help bring it to life give impressions of what's of what's going on without having to necessarily provide a comprehensive uh tour of the entire continent i don't oh, think we want to sure. do that you know um, but we do want to get a, a taste and we want to enjoy different flavors on our way towards the main course yeah it can be a great way also to um to kind of work into the principle of show don't tell where like say say you had your party show up in a city they've never been to before and you want to illustrate some things about the city 
So maybe you build a little uh, random encounter or a road encounter table where each encounter in the table is intended to show you one characteristic of the city. Maybe that it's very crowded or maybe how the general populace treats beggars or, you know, maybe they have certain specialized kinds of entertainment like plays or street performers or something. And those encounters, they could be all of five minutes, but it could, yeah. it could be something where you like you for a brief moment, you really get a sense of being like shoulder to shoulder packed in with huge crowds of people. And maybe it's just tough to move. And then after that encounter, you the players now have the sense that this is how the city is. And you can even say, hey, remember that little encounter? It's like that everywhere here you're shoulder to shoulder with people constantly and then they have that kind of firsthand experience that they now can use as a point of reference yeah absolutely and uh i want to mention also the tiers of play here right sure which i think at low levels you know the again the road encounter could almost be your plan for the night but you know, for you guys, you guys are all level 14. I, d- I don't necessarily want level 14 encounters roaming around. Oh, right? yeah. That that doesn't make sense. Like, how would life even, like, continue, <laughs> you know, in such a an environment, right? Maybe there's, like, one. But for the most part, you know, rando traveler and his family is not going to be faced with, like, uh, you know, six winter wolves, right? That's not going to happen. Well, so it's challenge accepted, or maybe it does, but <laughs> that shouldn't be. All right, kids, we're facing six winter wolves around the bend. Eight fire giants. Kids, ready? You know, where all, the heck are we? <laughs> where are we? Why did we decide to ever travel anywhere? Like, so you you get what I'm saying? So yeah. for you guys, yesterday you had a, uh, one encounter where you had to deal with some bandits and there were bandits hiding out behind a tree and they were doing a bad job. Plus you were again, flying overhead. So, yeah, I mean, you could see them clear as day. They really posed no threat to you. I wasn't going to bother rolling dice, right? Right. Because I like, I made, I had you make some skill checks, but it was more about asking you what you would do in getting you guys to express your characters as opposed to necessarily challenging you. But there had been other sessions you know, a, about a year ago, because that's how long we've been going um, where you guys that, you know, I would have stopped you. You would have rolled initiative. You would have tried. To, it would have been to, a full on them. fight. It would have been a fight. Yeah. You know, yeah. or if you tried to avoid them, we would have still opened up the map and we still would have had you sneak around or set up distractions and all that stuff. And it would have taken an hour right. as opposed to what I think we spent on it was maybe 10 minutes at most. Sure. I I think that that's a that's a really good point. And it got me uh, it kind of solidified this idea in my head that basically road encounters don't necessarily need to um, at least like CR wise or like combat or XP budget wise challenge your party. No, sometimes it can be fun to let your party just feel awesome yeah and like what that uh that little um helping the little girl get her kitty out of a tree uh little uh event that you had in town way back like yeah you for could, a street encounter yeah you could just as easily present that same situation to a party of level 14 characters just to see what happens like you can still get that cat out of the tree how you do it when you've got 14 character levels worth of resources at your disposal how you might approach that might be a lot of fun and it could be <laughs> at the same time a cast fabricate and turn the tree into a little house <laughs> for the cat yeah and like what does the cat no, like, do when whoa. that happens and it's not even about 
like how much XP can we get from this? Or is this really an appropriate challenge? It's just an interesting little thing that happened. And maybe your characters who are, you know, if they are such high level, maybe they do turn their nose up at them and just go, sorry, kid. Uh, We've got more important things to do. It's a jerk move, but you know, maybe, and it, it could, it could be there simply for that, just to say, okay, this is a character. This is a character personality moment where it's not about gaining XP. It's not about gaining loot. It's not about, you know, throwing down. It's about illustration. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It's just about seeing, yeah, what do you do and, and getting to know I like, okay, Goku and Vegeta are walking around and a girl says, save my cat. You know, Vegeta's <laughs> not going to help. No. And, and and if he bothers to do anything, he's, he's going to make the situation worse. Right. <laughs> he's, but he's certainly perfectly capable of getting this cat out utterly, of the tree. Absolutely. Goku will forget how powerful he is and do it the hardest way possible and <laughs> and fall out of the tree and bonk his head halfway through. Right. Oh my like, God. Yeah. It, it's it, it, it's just what what of course that's what they would do. Yeah. And Gohan would stand there just stunned at how stupid his father is. Right. <laughs> that is what would that's what would happen. Right. <sighs> so I enjoyed Dad. this in our in our worthy campaign. Uh, which was the second campaign in my homebrew series. And they, uh, I literally had a cat up in a tree and our druid turned into a cat and climbed up there and had a conversation. Like, how come you're hiding up here? I never, I didn't see that coming at all. And then he did it. And I was like, (laughs) yeah, wow. Talk about perfect move. (laughs) Yeah, it was perfect. It was great. You know, and, yeah, you know, it did cost him a wild shape for that risk, but he was like, hey, I'm in town. It's probably fine. Worth right? it. So it was it was worth it because it was fun and it was memorable. So it, he got to uh, talk to a, a cat good stuff. And he he decided that his character had a cat allergy, which made it even better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. Actually, Didn't, wasn't he like as the cat? He was up there like sneezing or something. <laughs> yeah, he's like <laughs> he's holding like, his nose. Yeah. <laughs> So that also brings up another good point. So there is also some such a thing as the street encounter. So it's like a road encounter, but now you're in town. So you're going to experience different things. So it might be fun to write up um, a chart of, uh, you know, a die roll chart and see what happens on your way from the baker to the butcher to the brewer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, interesting things could happen. Some of the things on your chart might be, Nothing much. You notice that the trees are kind of pretty. Today. Mm-hmm. The weather's nice. You know, whatever. It might just be a, a quick nothing. But, you know, again, it just it's for that illustration and that flavor. And yeah, sometimes for the challenge. Yeah. And it- uh, if if you're if your cleric didn't get to roll knowledge religion in a while, you know, have someone engage them in a religious debate. You there don't you necessarily go. have to pl- role play it out, but you could say, well, roll knowledge religion. Let's see how well you fare. Right. Something like that. Yeah. I think also it um, it's a nice way of injecting contrast, because if you are if you're running a campaign that's serious and epic, you know, and and that's also like comic relief is what you mean. Yeah. You know, it lets you have a little bit of a breather or. Oh, yeah. If everything feels really big it's a nice way to inject something that feels small and maybe potentially a little bit more relatable um, without having to make it this long involved thing. It's just like, I know you've been dealing with these, you know, potentially world shattering things, but there are still normal people in the world that have normal little problems And you see them from time to time and you still have the capability to interact with these people. So you can, it gives you the opportunity to contrast whatever it is you're doing. If you're running a scary game, it can be a way to inject levity. If you're having a funny game, maybe it's a way to 
make things scary for a little bit, you know, who knows? Um, but it's, it's a neat way to throw something in there that's different than what you're normally doing without having it be this huge involved thing. One thing I really enjoyed last night was one of the, the problems I have as a GM is it's not really a, a problem as much as it's a feature, but it, <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's, um, I love to always have a gambling mechanic. Yeah. <laughs> I love gambling in these games. Cause I don't want to do it in real life. Yeah. And, um, you know, I like to do these like sort of rando, get a magic item loot box type stuff mm-hmm. that happens. And, and I was so happy you guys rolled on that one. <laughs> and I, then you rolled on it a second time. Uh, I was thrilled. And I, I can't believe that dude showed up again. Like I, he's one of those characters now where I'm like, I need to know who the hell oh, this yeah, guy is. He is going to be an example of what we were talking about earlier, where it's not important. And, but now it is. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to be a thing now. Speaking of which go play the uh, Witcher three expansions and look for the man of mirrors. Mm. Oh my God. Like, he is who this guy made me think of. And that dude is something else. Yeah. Something else. Oh, That's God. Cool. Such talk about honestly, some of the best additional content DLC that I've ever played in my life. It's, it's freaking incredible. So good. Cool. But anyway, we are running up on time. Yep. Do you have anything else you want to throw in? Um, the last thing I'll say is that while researching, I looked up stuff about, uh, random road encounters and Mm. lots of people have already generated gigantic lists. Oh yeah. There's a, there's Uh, a lot. I I saw one that was like a thousand encounters, right. That you could inject into a game. Um, I've seen, I saw one that was like a hundred and they're each pretty well described they're about a, like two sentences each nice and by the way your your road encounter for the most part should probably not be a task that causes you to tear your hair out um, right you know uh, let it be a couple of like like very broad strokes mm-hmm. right just give yourself a couple of notes and let try to let that um that improv come in yep. and just enjoy that moment so those are my last uh, couple of notes on road encounters. Well, very good. Thanks for that. That's a, that's a really yeah. great topic. And it's, you know, that little, uh, breath of life into, uh, into whatever campaign you're playing. I mean, it's, it's a great tool to put in your back pocket that at least theoretically doesn't require a ton of overhead and work on your end so long as you can feel comfortable with just you know playing around in the moment and like you said improving and um you know just running with it all you got to do as far as prep goes is maybe write a couple sentences you know Mm -hmm. and just have fun absolutely very good well everybody thank you for hanging out with us tonight it was a great time as always um I really enjoyed uh, everything we were talking about. I hope to God that the that the D and D show and the D and D movie is good. I want it to be good so bad, um, and I also I heart road encounters and street encounters. I love that you do them. I love the ones that you've done. Um, they always they're always a highlight of the night for me, whenever they show up, it's like, cause it's always a little off the wall, a little out of left field. And that that's the kind of stuff that really grabs my attention. Um, so I, I love that. You do that really, really well. Um, oh, thanks. Absolutely. So, uh, as well as expressing my gratitude to you, I also want to say thank you to our, patrons and uh big thank you to uh spike logan kate and falangor uh you guys are awesome and you make every day worth waking up for 
a little more inspirational, a little more inspirational. And uh, if you would like to inspire us a little bit or just get some more of us because you're a glutton for punishment or something, I don't know. Um, head on over to inspirationpoint.buzzsprout.com. Over at the website, there will be three little bubbles in the upper right-hand corner, or if you're on mobile, they'll just be right at the top of the page, and the bubbles are going to be for Facebook, Twitter, and our Patreon. So if you want to connect with us via any of those channels, just click the bubble, and it'll take you right where you need to go. Um, But if you also want to support us over on Patreon, directly you can go to patreon.com slash inspiration point and hit us up over there um but yeah go to inspirationpoint.buzzsprout.com click the bubbles they'll take you to good places i promise and um well this week try out some road encounters or some street encounters try something little that'll breathe a little bit of life into your campaign And just relax, sit back, and have a good time. And until next time, stay inspired. Bye! Bye!